This is episode 507 of the AWS podcast, released on February 27, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. So much here with you. Great to have you back, and it's update show time. So let's get into it. Let's start with the topic of analytics. We are pleased to announce Amazon Redshift cross-region data sharing. Now, this lets you share live, transactionally consistent data across different Redshift clusters across different regions. So you could do it before between clusters that are in the same AWS account and across accounts. Now you can do it across regions, which is a very interesting way to share live data across different accounts, different clusters, different regions. No manual copying required. You can still query everything. You get access to everything. And the load is taken by the destination device, not by the source device. So this makes it much easier to stitch those data feeds together. Amazon Redshift also now has support for unloading data to JSON files. So this adds support for delimited text, CSV and Apache Parquet. You can now use the unload command to get your SQL query results into JSON directly, which is very nice. And you can also take advantage of the nested JSON data with the super column field, which is a native Redshift data type to store more semi-structured data. There's also now automated workload management for Amazon Redshift concurrency scaling. And this automatically adds and removes capacity to handle unpredictable demand. And the Auto WLM now uses machine learning to enable Redshift to predict and manage memory usage and query concurrency so it can configure your concurrency scaling clusters to the right size in advance. And the Amazon Redshift team have been super busy, and this is a really cool new thing. This is the public preview of streaming ingestion for Kinesis data streams. So now you don't have to stage the data into S3 before ingesting it into Amazon Redshift. You can go directly in, so you can get low latency in the seconds while ingesting hundreds of megabytes of streaming data per second into your data warehouse. This is very nifty. In the old approach, you would stage it first from Kinesis into S3, then use the copy command which would mean you could typically get sort of minutes of latency. Now you can get it into the seconds. AWS Glue Data Brew now supports a multi-column and custom sort as transformation. So that means you can organize your data a little bit better, uh, particularly if you want to organize your data in one or more dimensions using the various sorting orders without writing any code. And AWS Glue Data Brew also now supports E164 phone number standardization as a transformation. This does the magic to your phone number to have it the plus country code, dialing number, et cetera, combination. Moving on to the topic of application integration, Amazon MQ now supports a RabbitMQ version 3.9.13. This includes a whole bunch of bug fixes and enhancements. So make sure you stay up to date. Onto the topic of compute, we're happy to introduce the Amazon EC2 C6A instance type. These are powered by third generation AMD EPIC processors. These were codenamed Milan with an all core turbo frequency of up to 3.6 gigahertz and gives you up to 15% better compute price performance compared to the C5A instances for a whole bunch of workloads. It also gives you a 10% lower cost than comparable x86-based EC2 instances. They're, of course, built on the AWS Nitro system and give you a whole bunch of good stuff. Uh, these also have new instance sizes, the largest being 192 vCPUs and 384 GB of memory, which is twice the size of the largest C5A instance types. 
AWS Parallel Cluster now supports multi-user environments through the AWS directory service. So this makes it even easier for you to provision and give access to folks who need to use these environments. It also adds support to allow you to have access to clusters without public internet access, and also gives you access to Slurm 21.08. And finally, on this topic, AWS Launch Wizard now supports the latest versions to bring your own subscription for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. So you can now deploy SAP on Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.7 and 7.9 versions as well. Let's move to the topic of customer engagement. A couple of updates for Amazon Connect. It now provides CloudFormation support for integrations with third-party data. And this is a really cool capability because it basically lets you download data from third-party SaaS apps like CRMs, quality management, billing software, and auto management solutions. And you can use the AWS CloudFormations to help you deploy these integrations along with all the other infrastructure in a secure, efficient, and repeatable way. So, for example, with data integrations, you could download knowledge articles from Salesforce via scheduled syncs and then surface them in the Amazon Connect Agent application as wisdom articles. And this means that help agents can quickly resolve caller issues and be more productive and have up-to-date information. And Amazon Connect has also launched Amazon CloudWatch support for chat metrics. So you can now collect, view, and analyze those utilization metrics, things like concurrent active chats, et cetera, out of the box, no coding, get going. Moving on to the topic of database, Amazon Neptune now supports up to 128 tbytes of storage per cluster. So this is double the previous maximum, which was 64 tbytes. So you can use your graph applications without adding new clusters or making any changes, and you simply make it bigger. Now, if you've not used Amazon Neptune, it's a fast, reliable, and fully managed graph database service that makes it easy to build and run applications that work with highly connected data sets. And as I always say, we don't make these increases for the fun of it. Obviously, customers are finding this type of database really powerful and useful and want to store bigger data sets. And if you want to analyze the data, Amazon Neptune ML now supports custom models and Sparkle query language as well. So this now allows you to run Sparkle inference queries on W3C's resource description framework or RDF model, in addition to Apache Tinkerpop Gremlin inference queries on property graphs. And new machine learning tasks for RDF include object classification, object regression, object prediction, and subject prediction. And custom model training is meant for users who want to bring their own GNN models developed in GGL, or for advanced use cases in node classification and regression, such as using tabular or ensemble models. Basically, you can bring as much power as you want to this database type. Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports always-on availability groups for standard edition. So this gives you a good option for high availability without the complexity and expense of different editions. And Amazon RDS for MariaDB now supports delayed replication. So this means you can set a configurable time period by which a read replica lags behind the source database. Now, you may wonder, how does this work? Because in a standard MariaDB replication configuration, there's minimal replication delay between the source and the replica because you want to have it uh, up to date. But uh, sometimes you want to introduce an intentional delay as a strategy for disaster recovery. And this can be really useful for when you're recovering from a manual error. So let's say you do the magical drop table from the primary database. You can stop the replication just before the point it was dropped and promote the replica to become the standalone instance. So whole lot of nifty things you can do with this. So it's kind of like one of those situations where you want to be synchronously replicated until you don't. 
Let's move on to the topic of developer tools. CodeGuru Reviewer launches a new detector library and example repositories. The CodeGuru Reviewer detector library is a resource that contains detailed information about CodeGuru's reviewer security and code quality detections. Each detection page within the detector library contains a description of the detector, non-compliant and compliant example code snippets, severity, and additional information that will help developers mitigate its risks, such as the CW numbers. So this resource is really about helping customers get a deeper understanding of the capabilities of CodeGuru Reviewer and use it as an educational resource rather than just a reviewing resource. And Amazon CodeGuru Reviewer now detects Apache, Log4j, and other log injection vulnerabilities in code. If you've been following the security news, you'll know there was some fun and some unpleasantness that had to be dealt with, I think it was over the Christmas and New Year holiday period, which is always the way with these things. Uh, now there is a new log injection detector that analyzes your Java or Python code for potentially unsafe logging statements, including those that could be leveraged by that particular issue. So again, that ability to grow your detection capability makes things easier. AWS AppRunner now has support for Amazon VPC. So if you're using that deployment service, now you can support that with other applications hosted in your VPC. Things like RDS, Redis, Elastic Kubernetes Service, a whole bunch of stuff fits into that. And finally, AWS has introduced the S2N-Quick, which is a new open source implementation of the Quick protocol. And this is an open source Rust implementation of this protocol in our encryption open source libraries. Now, we're also renaming S2N, which is our open source C implementation of the TLS protocol, to S2N-TLS. Now, this is really important to help us make the API work fast in a small footprint and have simplicity as a priority. It's written in Rust, so it gets some of the benefits like performance, thread, and memory safety. And it gives you a whole lot of options to deploy securely, easily, and in an open source way. It's under the Apache Software License 2.0. Check it out. Onto the topic of machine learning. Amazon Recognition Video now supports seven new languages and improves accuracy for text description. So now we can detect text in images, including Arabic, Russian, German, French, Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish. And we can automatically detect and extract text in images in all the supported languages without requiring language parameter as user input. And there are also improvements in overall accuracy, especially for vertical and curved text. Amazon SageMaker Autopilot now provides confusion matrix and additional new insights for classification problems. Now, Amazon SageMaker Autopilot automatically builds, trains, and tunes the best machine learning models based on your data while giving you full control and visibility. So it's a great way to get going if you're not an expert on this sort of stuff and you want a little bit of running rails and guidance. So from now on, SageMaker Autopilot also provides new metrics and reports to give you better visibility into model performance for classification problems. And this is really useful to get more insight about the best model that's presented to you in the model leaderboard. Now, a whole bunch of new stuff, things like confusion matrix, area under receiving operation characteristic curve, area under the precision recall curve, all this cool stuff that is well beyond my capabilities. But if this is your world, this will be worth looking at. We're pleased to announce geolocation enrichment for Amazon fraud detector models. Now, these are machine learning models that you just use kind of off the rack. They're really easy to get access to through an API. And these new models calculate the distance between the IP address, billing address, and shipping address provided for an event. Now, this helps you prevent more fraud, particularly when a user attempts to create an account with someone else's information or make a transaction with someone else's credit card. So this is a really cool new capability.
The calculated distances that are used as input into your fraud detection model boost performance for models that use these variables, enabling these models to capture up to 10% more fraud when accepting a 3% false positive rate. Moving on to the topic of management and governance. We are happy to announce the general availability of AWS CloudFormation hooks, and I really like this one. This is a feature that allows customers to invoke custom logic to automate actions or inspect resource configurations prior to a create, update, or delete CloudFormation stack operation. Now, over 1 million customers use AWS CloudFormation every week to do their stuff. With these hooks, you can now validate resource properties to send a warning, or prevent the provisioning operation for non-compliant resources to reduce security or compliance risk, to lower operational overhead, or to just optimize cost. So you can do a whole lot of mechanism type stuff in the cloud formation, calling out to other capabilities to make sure you're doing the right thing when you need to. There are also some sample hooks available, so you can jumpstart your hook collection. Get looking at it today. Amazon CloudWatch Container Insights has added support for Amazon EKS Fargate using AWS Distro for Open Telemetry. And basically, it means you can understand a lot more from your containers coming from your EKS Fargate and other type of environments. Something new on the cost management side of things, we are happy to introduce auto-adjusting budgets. Now, an auto-adjusting budget dynamically sets your budget amount based on historical cost or usage over a time range you specify. So this helps you get rid of the guesswork in setting a budget limit and keeps you updated as your spend patterns change. These are generally available across all AWS regions that are public. With this launch, you can set a budget method based on fixed, planned, or auto-adjusting limits. And this way you can sort of mix and match between understanding trends, setting a realistic budget versus setting hard manual budgets as well. You can pick and choose. The AWS Billing Console has also introduced a new home page experience. This gives you at-a-glance view of your AWS charges, and it makes it much easier for you to understand your spend, view and pay your invoices, manage your billing preferences and tax settings, and also access additional cloud financial management services. So this is really useful for a whole raft of different use cases. The new Billing Console homepage gives you graphs that have a summary view of your month-to-date spend and a month-on-month comparison. There's a new cost trend by top five services graph to understand the trailing three or six months by service. And you can also find the services in AWS regions with the highest spend, so you can understand what's behind that activity. A quick update for AWS OpsWorks for configuration management. It now supports a new version of Chef Automate that has a whole lot of bug fixes, including increased protection for the Log4J vulnerability. AWS Control Tower now provides updated support for AWS best practices and region deny. So this is a new implementation of capability to support lifecycle policies and access loggings for the access log bucket, dead letter queues for the Lambda function. It also takes advantage of AWS's config service linked role to set up and manage config rules, a whole bunch of other cool stuff to just make life easier. And also an update to the region deny guardrail to make sure that it works in the correct way to support things like Route 53 application recovery controller and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. AWS Organizations Console now lets users centrally manage alternate contexts on AWS accounts. Now, it's really important to have your contacts set up correctly because this lets you get important notifications about your AWS accounts. Now, we previously released the Accounts SDK that lets you programmatically manage billing operations and security contacts. Now you can do it straight through the console as well, which makes life a bit easier. 
And finally, you can now consistently deploy alert logic MDR agents across EC2 and on-premise instances using AWS Systems Manager. Now, this is just an example of one of the third-party agents that you can install on EC2 and also on-premises as well. And this capability, which is called the distributor capability, lets you install or update these agents on your instances or create your own software packages to distribute. It's a really cool capability that solves a lot of hard work that you just don't want to do yourself. Moving on to the topic of media services, AWS Elemental Media Connect now supports AWS Private Link. So now you do not need to access anything across public IPs. You can use all your private IP addresses in your VPC. Onto the topic of migration and transfer. AWS Migration Hub Refactor Spaces is now generally available. This is a really great starting point for incremental app refactoring. It means you focus on the application, not the creation of the management of all the underlying infrastructure and all the other fun that you have to deal with. So you get up and running quickly. You can start refactoring. You can use the Strangler Fig pattern, which is a great way to just carve off little bits of functionality into new microservices and reroute traffic from the old to the new. It gives you a whole lot of flexibility in terms of your development and testing environments. The AWS transfer family now supports login banners. It's kind of like everything that's old is new again. So you can display customized messages like organizational policies or terms and conditions to your end users to help you achieve your legal and compliance requirements. You can also customize the message of the day, the MOTD, like a g'day, how are you going? Or here's something you should be aware of. This is really useful for all those services, things like SFTP, FTPS, FTP, etc., because these are things where often you want to display a message to the user. On to the topic of networking and content delivery. Amazon VPC now supports an AWS managed prefix list for Amazon CloudFront. And a lot of folks are very excited to see this. You can now use this managed prefix list for Amazon CloudFront to limit the inbound HTTP and HTTPS traffic to your origins from only the IP addresses that belong to the CloudFront origin facing servers. Now, CloudFront keeps the managed prefix list up to date so you don't have to do it yourself. Onto the topic of quantum technologies. Amazon Bracket now has support for the new 80 qubit quantum processor from Regetti. Now, this is a new 80 qubit superconducting gate based quantum processor from Regetti named Aspen M1. And with this launch, you can use a multi chip quantum processor architecture for the first time on Bracket. And with this new 80 qubit processor, customers can run quantum circuits up to twice the qubit count supported by the previous generation device, which means you can tackle larger problems. It's also fully supported by Amazon Bracket's recently launched hybrid jobs feature, which allows you to combine hybrid quantum classical algorithms such as variation quantum eigensolver and the quantum approximate optimization algorithm. And these use a combination of classical compute resources and quantum devices. So it's an interesting meshing of the old and the new. Onto the topic of security identity and compliance. AWS WAF has introduced AWS WAF Fraud Control, which is an account takeover prevention capability for protecting your logon page against credential stuffing attacks. This is a very nice thing. It allows you to proactively stop account takeover attempts at the network edge. So you can prevent unauthorized access that may lead to fraudulent activities 
or you can inform affected users so they can take preventative action. Now, this is offered through AWS Managed Rules. And once added to your AWS WAF Web ACL, it compares usernames and passwords submitted to your application to credentials that have been compromised elsewhere on the web. It also monitors for anomalous login attempts coming from bad actors by correlating requests seen over time to detect and mitigate attacks like irregular logon patterns, brute force attempts, credential stuffing, etc. The account takeover prevention is scoped down by default to act on your logon page only. With optional JavaScript and iOS Android SDK integrations, you can receive additional telemetry on devices that attempt to log into your application to better protect your application against automated logon attempts by bots. It's a scary place out there on the internet. Make sure you have these types of protections in place. AWS Firewall Manager now supports versioning for AWS WAF Managed Rule Group, which is great. So now you can version your rule groups and you can select a version number for the managed rule group deployed as part of your WAF policy. This means you can maintain a group until it reaches end of life. And it also means you can test new group versions before deploying them across your organization. AWS Security Hub has launched 13 controls and two partners for security posture monitoring. So this is 13 new controls for the Foundational Security Best Practice Standard, FSBP, to get you more control and management across things like AWS CloudFront, EC2, RDS, just to name a few. And we've also added two new integration partners, which brings the number of integrations up to 75. These new integration partners include Sonray and Fugue. And our last topic today is the topic of storage. We're pleased to announce the general availability of AWS Backup for Amazon S3. Now, this adds Amazon S3 to the list of supported services in AWS Backup, and this launch makes it easier for you to centrally automate backup and restore of your application data stored in Amazon S3, along with other services as well. It integrates with AWS organizations, so you can centrally create and manage immutable backups of S3 data across all your accounts with just a few clicks. An update for Amazon Elastic File System, which is a pretty nifty one. It now supports sub-millisecond read latencies for all new and existing one-zone and standard general-purpose file system. So latency-sensitive applications like content management systems, analytics, DevOps, and machine learning inference can now achieve read latencies as low as 600 microseconds on average, which is nice. I love fast performance with no tuning. And last update in this topic, Amazon S3 batch replication synchronizes existing data between buckets. So this is an elastic, fully managed, low-cost feature that replicates newly uploaded objects between two or more Amazon S3 buckets, keeping them in sync. And now with S3 batch replication, you can synchronize existing objects between buckets. So this is really useful to backfill a newly created bucket with existing objects or retry objects that couldn't replicate for some reason or just doing migrations. The options are endless. This makes life so much easier. So that's it. Lots of interesting updates. Hope there was something there for you. As ever, we do love to get your feedback. Podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And of course, until next time, keep on building.